Welcome to the Connor Churlin Podcast, where I, Connor Churlin, meet up with a musician, hear about what makes them tick, what kind of experiences they're bringing into their musical background, that sort of thing. And on today's podcast, we have Angela Autumn. Angela is an Americana singer-songwriter based in Nashville. She is a great guitar player, person, singer, and just released an album in 2021 called Frontiers Woman. You can hear us talk about the relationship between Americana, technology, what it means to be attached to land, and we talk a little bit about tarot. Stick around to about the 20-minute mark to hear her song, Dancer. Please enjoy Angela Autumn. So you just did a music video yesterday. You're feeling good about it. Today's Friday the 13th, Mm -hmm. and um, you're trying to ground yourself Mm -hmm. in in general. So grounding, the only people that I hear talking about grounding normally are my friends who also uh, do tarot. So I'm just going to throw out a freaking far ball and ask if you do tarot. I do. Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> I do. I um I'm I would say I'm a student of tarot. Do you know about the different decks or I know that there the are a ton of, of different ways. It feels it feels very, very deep and wide in terms of what it can mean. So what what does that look like for you? Yeah, so for me, tarot is a way of connecting with symbolism. The original tarot deck is called the Rider Waite deck. It's just like a basic, the very first tarot ever designed. And the rest of the decks are kind of adapted from that. So if you ever get the chance to check out the Rider Waite deck, it's like the magician, the the empress, very basic archetypes. Yeah. Um, and the rest of them stem from that one. So it's all up to interpretation. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So thanks for asking me about that. It's a great way to start. <laughs> it, I normally don't start with just like r- random word association, but do you do tarot? <laughs> <laughs> I just had a I had a sense. So that's that's good. If um yeah, I I love asking questions about tarot in general because I I think imagery and association like tarot feels so imaginative to me um, in that it's about how you react to an image Mm -hmm. as opposed to what an image means. Like it's not a fully set in stone meaning. Yes. And I think that there's a lot of real magic in that. Absolutely. Like what, what um, emotion does the, comes up with this image? Is it excitement? Is it, is it fear? Is it pleasure? Like what, what are we getting from the images? And how can that be applied to our world? Which I think tarot, I think tarot is about merging the inner and outer worlds for us. I think that's kind of why it was developed to to understand what's going on in the outside world by understanding what's going on in our inner worlds. I just moved to Los Angeles. It wasn't something that I wanted to do. Oh my gosh! Um, but I'm I am a musician. I am a, I am a musician, so it, it serves me in a lot of ways, but I hate change um, and discomfort, which mm-hmm. L.A. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I pulled, mm-hmm. I, uh, I was shown a deck by a friend, and she was, it's basically just like a flip through them and pick a card. And the card that I picked was the empty room. What? 
<laughs> and it was like, it was just like, yeah, you feel emptiness, nothingness, abyss. Um, that is like, that is what draws people to this card. But what it, what the empty room is about is possibility and the space to fill um, and the space to be filled. And I was like, oh, that's, and it's been a very meaningful thing to keep in my mind as I go through this change. I love that. I love that you were drawn to the card like subconsciously and now you have a whole space to grow into it sounds like. Yeah. I'd love to ask you about you moving alone to Nashville which also seems Yeah, I would love to talk about so it. So challenging as a town full of m musicians who are so skilled to like come in as a newbie. What was that experience like? How did you start meeting people, find friends? I would say, well, there are a couple different different ways. Um, there's like a very deep approach I could take to it or I could take the very, I could give the practical explanation of how to make friends or I could give like- Give me, give the, me both. Both. So the surface level, you know, there's a theory that you become friends with your Nashville class. So you, if you enter into Nashville at like a certain, in a certain month, in a certain year- you kind of, by default, become friends with all of those folks, which I find find to be very true. The folks that moved to Nashville when I around the same time frame that I did became close friends of mine, and I worked with them, and just really interesting. The deeper connection and kind of more emotional response I have to your question is that, like, when you enter a place as a void, you just attract kind of whatever, you know, to you. It just kind of comes in and fills fills you up like a container, like a bucket. Um, so I didn't know what I was doing when I moved here. I just found what I thought that I needed at the time, which I've grown past. But initially it was, it looked a certain way. Yeah, I just like spoke what I needed, I guess, to universe <laughs> at the time. And now I need much different things you know, two and a half years in. So um. that's good to know. How do you feel like your needs have shifted in the span of two and a half years? Yeah. So at the beginning, I was really focused on getting to know the area because I'm like super into geography and just travel. So getting my roots down and discovering all the cool places like na nature spots. I wanted to know more about the land. I also wanted to meet people that were like-minded. Music was like the common glue, the common thread. And I found a band to play bass with and travel with and kind of record my first record with. Kate Haldrup and Nick Harley were two people that I worked really heavily with and they're both super outdoorsy. So we kind of all bonded on that front. But as I've gotten more grounded here, I feel like creative pursuits have definitely opened up for me and I feel like I have a little bit more creative control in terms of like video and production which has always been my my main goal yeah to just have as much uh say so in like the production of my music and my image as possible <laughs> yeah I guess I guess I've gained more agency in that front since moving here or the town has showed me how to do that yeah. if that makes sense yeah that's sweet um, yeah, it seems like Kate Kate has been really instrumental in that 
part of your life as well. Your relationship with Kate, uh, part of your story with this latest album is working on an album, 2020 hits. So we don't release the album. We work on it more with you and Kate and then and then put it out. Um, is, am I correct in that? Yeah. So really her house was like the touchstone for the record to be created. Or at least that was the space that we used. So sonically, a lot of those things happened in that space. I actually took it to a different engineer and co-producer after um, when I was getting ready to release it for like final touches, who is my great friend, Tommy Carnes. He has a lot to do with the way that it turned out. Obviously, everybody had like a very different emotional response to 2020, but I, it, it seems very interesting to dive back into an album a second time and to like add on to it what was what was your initial response like how did you take it and then how did you move into a productive place of like working like adding on to the album yeah I love that question it's actually like I feel like a lot of it has to do with um just believing in myself because to make a like to create a full length is kind of it's like an endeavor. You're an artist. You understand. It's it's like a tale. It's a story. It's a part of... And I felt like I had more songs that I needed to shelve away from that point, that time in my life. Um, and obviously 2020 brought up a lot of, of those old songs and like they bubbled to the surface. And so I remember hiking one day, I started thinking about these other songs that I wanted to include. And obviously there was the difficulty of like, recording, entering the studio again, and masking up, but I was just feeling really strongly like I wanted to do more, like just have a bigger impact with the songs, more of a showcase, and also more of like a chapter released and shelved away, if that makes sense. And I feel like as an artist, I'm constantly working through those chapters, and they overlap. (laughs) So like 2019 overlaps, overlapped with 2020 and 2021 overlapped with 2019 and it's all just kind of like stacked together in a very interesting way that's it doesn't feel linear to me if that makes sense it feels very like opposite it feels opposite of linear the whole process was like yeah time didn't feel like it existed for kind of two years at a point and everything felt really long and like a flash immediately um, which is which is a trippy thing. Yes. I, yes. I, I have a question about Frontier Woman. Ask away. Uh, it like Frontier has to do with exploration and like a threshold of land and like s- doing something that no one else has done before. It's a it's a visionary position. Um, but you also have this relationship to land. This is a this is gonna be a vague question. I can feel it. Um, Let's go. <laughs> I'm so into it. <laughs> um, one of one of the main differences I have between my wife and I is I have a relationship uh, to no land. Uh, I feel very divorced from land. I'm um, I'm from a town that a lot of people want to leave, so I feel very divorced from land. She feels very connected. Uh, she speaks about land the way that you speak about land, and I'm always trying to understand what that 
means because I don't get it what it means to have a relationship to the land and like growing mm. up growing up near Appalachia like mm-hmm. moving into Nashville caring about geography what what does that mean to you and how is that represented on the album broad question I'm so sorry <laughs> it's fine I can provide an example I like Please. also I just want to say like thank you just like I feel like I need to extend gratitude in this moment because a lot of very healing things are happening and this feels like a healing conversation to get to talk mm. about my record and I just want to thank you like for creating oh. a, a healing space for my conversation. Pleasure. I love your energy and it just feels really good. Um thank you. Whew, okay, so about land. So an, a good example I think from the record is Fine Blue Sky if you've listened to that tune. And it's literally about me hopping on a plane flying through snowstorms across the Canadian border to get to um, a gathering of folk musicians the fine blue sky is that wanderlust that um, that place we're always seeking whether it's like a destination in ourselves or like a physical destination so for me going across that border and I've never framed it or talked about it this way, but going across that border, like the country of the country and just to meet more people and to find that thing I was looking for is kind of what Frontiers Woman is about. There's kind of a risk with, with movement because it can be treacherous and it can be, I mean, I barely got there. Like the plane was shaking and, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. But at the same time, movement is so important to me. It's almost worth it. So my relationship relationship to land is like that. It's it's shifting and it's always changing. And the challenge is to try to merge with, with the land. But we're always moving as musicians through different places. Um, so the least we can do is, is probably write a song about a place. <laughs> And maybe never go back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because it's just so ephemeral and, and kind of fascinating. That's, I, I appreciate that. Um, there is something, there, there are certain places that seem to hold a power to them. And I don't, um, yeah. I don't understand what that means. But like, I like, into it it uh but i don't i i couldn't explain it further than that sentence probably what does it feel like i guess uh there was a time i did a gig in canada and i had never driven canada it was five hours of driving through canada i had never felt yeah it was it was for too little money too i'll tell you (laughs) i uh um, I had never oh, felt I, know. <laughs> I had never felt so moved driving with that much greenery around me. Um, just as far as the eye could see was just the tops of trees and they do a good job making highways that are far from town so you don't you're not going through cities, you're going around cities. And I, I thought that was such a cool way to design a landscape and um, I almost hit a bear. I almost hit a moose. Uh, I saw bald eagles. It was it was blew my mind. Um, yeah, so I, f- I felt I felt really moved by by that space. 
I want to ask you another question about Nashville. Absolutely. The you, you've mentioned that there's like a difference between a music scene that's like play at a bar and get your drink tickets versus like more of a lifestyle of music. And what what has that lifestyle of music been in your experience as you've seen it? I think the lifestyle and the message is for people here. Um, music is a very collaborative and essential part of the community in Nashville. So participating in it is like necessary for its for its vitality. So showing up to your friend shows is very important for 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 you. Like it's important for everyone. I think while everyone has their um, independent like um, dreams and we all have an ego to an extent about what we do creatively, um, it's really rooted in in letting go of that ego when everything else falls away, then you really feel what you are and, and how, how each person, maybe not just in Nashville, but every person in a community has a unique place and a unique role to play. And so a lot of, uh, of being in Nashville has been releasing those masks, like those roles I thought I had to play, but like that weren't really me. And, and then learning to be around other people who are very different and very similar. Is that like vague or does it kind of like an example is like you can see yourself in every in everyone essentially, but you don't have to be. You can be inspired by everyone, but you're unique. What you bring to the table is like most important here, I think. (laughs) That yeah, no, I I appreciate that. Part of what's hard about um, deciphering like what the L.A. music scene is from an outsider's perspective, I was I was living two hours away in Santa Barbara. So from the outside, LA is very much like plug and play, put in four musicians on a night, bring in your 20 people, take your drink tickets, break even, congratulations, you're done. And it's about filling a slot and getting butts in the seats versus like, I, I really do appreciate the emphasis. And I think I am finding pockets of LA that are are based on what individuals bring to a space. Like what what are the individual contributions other than other than just like plug and play servicing venues kind of over and over. I was just going to ask you if you found like um when you go out to the plug and play, do you do you do you go out to plug it do you go out to your friends' shows and do you see stuff you enjoy? Yes. Or are you like you do. Okay, cool. It's mostly just my friends that I enjoy. Uh, the other acts aren't necessarily designed to create a cohesive set. So you might have, I see. you might have like <laughs> someone who has like the August rush style guitar. And then next you have a boy band pop. And then next you have girl band pop. And then you have like screamo band. And that doesn't really make for a cohesive night. And it makes the fans want to show up and then leave show up and then leave versus stay, Mm -hmm. stay and be in a place. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I think I am finding, I'm learning the difference between those types of shows and how to, how to find the ones that are cohesive. So you can just enjoy yourself for the night. That's a challenge here also. Mm. Okay. That's good to know. That's good to know. In Nashville. Uh, 
question about the people surrounding you. You've already mentioned Kate and, yeah. a, and a few others. Who else is helping you on your team? Who helps you meet your goals? Mm. Well, that's like a deep, that's a really deep question because I've been actively working to build a team for myself, actively trying to receive those, like that support and that help. But I have this part of me that's like so independent to a fault that sometimes uh, is in resistance to that and resistance to help because I'm like the type of person that's a, like feels like if other people help me, it's going to go wrong. And then like I have that like deep belief, right? Honestly, it's been hard. It's been hard to develop a team, but I have a really great engineer who's really well connected named Tommy, who I mentioned, and we get a lot done together. And um, yeah, a lot of collaborations have really come out of that partnership, especially with other musicians. It's really important to have someone advocate for you and just say like, hey, this person's doing, or Angela's doing something cool. Would you like to be a part of it? And then you have a, a new friend, a new like musical collaborator. I do a lot of co-writes, so that's definitely part of of the scene down here. And I have a lot of really close friends that I co-write and I do shows with. And sometimes we tour together as duos, which is cool. But ultimately it's like to support us as individuals, right, on this journey because the collaborations just help help take some of the weight off when like it becomes too overwhelming to do do your own thing to be a lone wolf all the time <laughs> I really relate to that so I work with like song other songwriters and I work with other creatives but it's a process like it's a process giving that that energy that that letting that circuit flow with other creatives I'm still I'm still learning honestly I feel like it's a huge weakness of mine. We'll call it a growing area at best. Um, it's a growing area. <laughs> what do you find in a co-writing scenario? What do you find opening you up and making you feel comfortable trying new things? And what do you find shutting you down or like puckering you up so that you don't want to share ideas? Um, what I'm... Just like what what kinds of environments are working versus not working for you in that space? Mm, I really just uh, not dislike, but I work better with um, with distance and with space than I do with time constraints. So mm. I would not be someone to do a time writing with. Sure. Even though I could, what I like to do is hand off songs and then like have someone look at it, have a friend look at the song and make an edit and then or do that for them like in so that um I like when things have more space mm -hmm. that's really important if to it's know. like a speed dating thing it feels pressured I feel like stressed I would also feel very stressed yeah that sounds very stressful yeah 100 percent. and I've had a lot of shitty co-writes but I think it's just about it's just like with relationships, like sometimes people don't have the space to like think about your song the way that you want them to. Or sometimes you don't have the space to think about someone's song the way that they need you to. So it's like finding the right people to work with and and being and being open also and being open to saying, no, this isn't I'm not going to write this way. 
even though this person writes this way, I don't have to write just like they do, you know? So like resisting comparison. Yeah. That's important for your own sanity because a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of people feel like they're better writers and write better songs, but I don't know. There's a lot of, yeah, again, I I think there's utility in everyone and there's like contribution for everybody to make. We're around the half hour mark. I would love, I would love to see if you're willing to play a song, kind of whatever you want. I'm open to, um, I just listened through the Frontier Woman and was like, oh, there's you can play kind of whatever you want. So. <laughs> I would love to play my new song, Dancer, which is going to be the single from the record. Is that okay? Heck yeah, go for it. All right, the song's called Dancer.
Well done. Well, yay! A little a private performance. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank you. Of course, it is. Uh, it's always such an honor to be able to hear something, uh, just one on one. It's a very it's a very sweet thing. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. There's uh, just a logistical yeah. question I have about country bluegrass. Uh, what is that? Earthy, yeah, earthy ask tunes. Away. They all, I I imagine it's a faux pas to bring up technology that exists in the 21st century, but that is like, uh, that is something that kind of everyone has to contend with in art. Like, what? How do you make something a classic versus like, uh. You you couldn't reference like TikTok in a in a in a country song for like yeah. from for the most part how do, how do you balance yeah. like including technological advances and all the lyrics in your songs? I love this question, Connor, because I've been contemplating this also, and a lot of friends in my community have been expressing that Americana needs to kind of move forward and like meet meet those changes. But I think because it's traditional music, there's a little bit of a resistance to use that language. And I think the reason is because it's all analog. So like if we're playing analog instruments, then why would we use like modern day terminology? So yeah, that's, I think it's something that might change in the future, it might not. Like, I don't have the answer. I've been wanting to write that song about someone looking at your story but not texting you back. That's that's my next song. <laughs> I'll fit that in a song at some point. That's a very um, common thing that happens to our generation. <laughs> very, yeah. very frustrating. Um, like, what the heck? So... It, the the cycle of not texting and then self-shaming and then being overcome by self-shame and so you can't text which increases your self-shame it's a real thing um i i try not to mm-hmm. let that rule me but um i understand when people do it i've been deleting instagram like a lot so smart very smart do we have more time to chat or was that the end yeah that's the that's not the end i have a i have a few more questions i love to ask at the end um oh heck yeah what okay what books or authors have you been visiting or helped by in the last two-ish years good question good question that i've been visiting like are we talking fiction or are we talking just in In general? general whatever you want okay i'll give you three that i love maybe two <laughs> i haven't thought of the third one just like three sounds good I'll give you three books. It's a magic number. The first one is The Artist's Way. Have you heard of that mm-hmm. by Julia Cameron? Yeah. I like that book a lot. That book's helped me a lot. Uh, I recently read The Alchemist, which is, was a really awesome read. I felt like I was a little late to the party. Yeah, I think that was like really hot. Uh, I mean, Macklemore had like a song that you should listen to The Alchemist. So that that dates it pretty well. Yeah, so I I remember in college a bunch of people were reading it, but I read that this year. What else have I have I like read recently that I really dug? Another one I found the Four Noble Truths in the Woods. 
So that was a huge, like, metaphor. Like, in the middle of 2020, I found Don Miguel Rua's book, In the Woods, and that has a bunch of really great, like, just teachings and lessons for life. So that also kind of catapulted me into a more of a spiritual healing mindset. Someone just left and it currently, in the floor of the woods? Yeah, well, there was a pile of presumably, like, tent like a tent and like someone's I think someone was living in the woods and then they had to dash <laughs> so it was like it was like under the pile I <laughs> uh, wasn't planning on that I'm coming across a library in southern Indiana but yeah those are the books I mean I love I'm also working on I don't want to give too much away but I'm working on like a little soundtrack for a novel called um the dirty parts of the bible by Sam Tarode. And he's having me do um, like an Appalachian soundtrack for that novel. I'm really excited about that. That's really exciting. Cool. I love books. <laughs> good, good. I um, really love books. <laughs> I I read books. I don't know if I enjoy them as much as uh, <laughs> as much as like trash YouTube videos. But um, um, you could take this question either way. What is like? Some okay. of the best advice you've received about your music career, or what's some of the worst musical advice you've received about your musical career? Okay, yeah. I think advice is like I have a complicated relationship to it because advice is only helpful to the person giving it in most senses. It's like it's like they're sharing they're sharing something that ha- helped them, and they they think that it will help you also. I would say the best musical advice I've ever gotten is to just like keep recording music and keep keep putting out music and like continue and don't be afraid. I feel like that's a helpful piece of advice. Like don't, like so many times I've sat and with with stuff for a long time and and, uh, in retrospect, it was because I was insecure about putting that music out. So I think like, just not being embarrassed or afraid of what we create because it can be can be like really powerful and healing to continue to continually put out music regardless of whether we feel like it's good enough or like it fits into who we are were or should be <laughs> I think that is great advice I'm currently I'm currently in the process of putting out another EP and um, I've done the process of a number of times now, and I'm well aware that I'm in the phase that I uh, hate everything because it all feels bad because I just want to be perfect. And I'm, uh, and I'm confronting my own lack of ability to be perfect. So I'm like frustrated and like putting that out and having to like tell the people around me like, Hey, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm gonna get a little nitpicky, and I'm gonna try my best to um, stop being nitpicky because you're doing you're all doing a great job, and I'm coming against my own limits. And um, but that's I want I want to show what my best really is. And if if this really is my best, then I want to put it out. And I think it is good. So, um, but consistently feeling that frustration, which I think is kind of the artist's yeah. pl- plight. That's really brave that you can make that distinction, you know, between like everyone else seeing your work as great and then you like being critical and seeing it as 
as like not what you want but knowing like knowing when to let that go and just throw caution to the wind <laughs> yeah yeah ideally you have people around you who can tell you when your art is actually bad and when you shouldn't release it but in general yeah at a certain point you become a good enough artist that you sh you you're showing it to people in the beginning because you know that it's good and it deserves to be out in the world um which is an important yeah, thing to remember right we're confident we're confident musicians <laughs> and creators and we move with our shoulders <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, totally. Perfect. Um last last question for you. Um what yes. has been in in your recent or distant memory, what has been one of the most special gigs that doesn't have to be like the best attended gig, but something very special about it? What's been one of the more, more special gigs and why? I have two answers. The first one was at the Dirty Drummer in Phoenix, Arizona. I was not expecting, it kind of seemed like it would just be a, another bar gig where no one listened. I felt like like the, like Phoenix has great energy and you should totally go play there sometime because the people were like just excited and into the music and it like fed me so much. It was just so different than Nashville. I can't even, I can't even explain that it was just a different energy. Yeah, there's that one and then there's a cool little venue slash cafe slash vintage store in very Nashville. It's called the Bowery Vault. And I recently had a show there with some really lovely women named Alicia Gale and Lore. Actually, my friend Lore used to live in LA. So there's a little connection. That gig was awesome because it felt like a collaboration and the bill was really like worked well together. That felt like a success. It didn't feel like disparate or um, disjointed it felt like really good to share the space with other female artists so that one was awesome yeah sweet looking forward uh what do you have in the future that you're looking forward to what should people be looking out for when it comes to your music okay they should be looking out for i'm going to have opportunities to support me in the next next month on um, a little campaign I'm doing for my album launch. So if they decide to participate or donate to my Kickstarter, they will get like limited edition fun things um, and just get more opportunities to support and kind of become involved through my Kickstarter. Then the festivals, I'll be listing the festivals I'm part of on my website and I'll be doing one in New Mexico at the end of September. And I'll be doing um, a really cool songwriter showcase in Maine on New Haven Island on July 10th. Any listeners in those areas should definitely come out and see me. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Angela, thank you so much for taking the time today on a Friday the 13th. It's yeah. been really good connecting with you. Um, your music's great. Um, you're a wonderful person to talk to, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Connor. It's been great talking to you. And thank you for your time also. And I look forward to connecting again in the future and hearing Definitely. your new music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll clap us out. 
thank you kindly for listening to the podcast. It's really just an excuse for me to meet amazing people and learn from them. So if you like this episode, feel free to take a look at some of the other artists I've talked to, or let me know if there's someone in your life who's a musician that you'd like me to talk to next. You can learn more about my music at connorcherland.com or find me on Instagram or Spotify under Connor Cherland, C-O-N-N-E-R-C-H-E-R-L-A-N-D. All right, see ya.